Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. What's one of the greatest threats to Christianity? Is it our culture? Atheism? Is it the devil? Pope John Paul II once said, One of the greatest threats to Christianity is ignorance. Ignorance. Ignorance can be one of the greatest threats to Christianity because without the continual knowledge of our faith, how can we practice it? Better yet, how can we pass it on to our children? Notice I said the continual knowledge of our faith. We believe in lifelong faith formation, which means the process of learning about our faith never stops. Our entire life is one in which we continually grow in the knowledge of our faith and all aspects of our faith, whether it's art, architecture, music, church history, sacred scripture, the early church father's writings, whatever it may be, we must continually grow in the knowledge of our faith so that our faith may grow. One of the professors at Mundelein Seminary, the seminary in which I attended to be trained as a priest, would always tell us, faith won't grow if you don't want to know. Yet, just the opposite can happen. If we don't have a continual knowledge of our faith, we won't be able to distinguish truth from fiction when we are challenged. Then we become vulnerable, confused, and that leads to spiritual disaster. My friends, let's face it. In the past, we could live in a closed society when we would rely upon the knowledge and understanding of our faith to the priest. Every Sunday, we would come to Mass and the priest would tell us about our faith or tell us about sacred scripture. Well, those days are gone. We now live in a society in which we are bombarded 24 hours a day, seven days a week, through the mass media, whether it's television, internet, the newspapers, magazines. We have to be able to sift out the truth from the lies. Fortunately, our faith is essential for just that task. Yet it is our faith that requires continual growth. This weekend's first reading from Acts of the Apostles really sets the tone for us. Peter says, you denied the Holy and Righteous One, the author of life you put to death. Now I know, brothers, that you acted out of ignorance, just as your leaders did. Peter is telling the people that because they were ignorant of Jesus Christ and did not know who he was, they put him to death. Peter is giving us all a harsh wake-up call that ignorance can definitely lead to disaster. But we have to realize that there are factors in our society that are luring us to disaster. I'll give you one case. Recently, there's been a mass proliferation of books promoting atheism. A good example is Christopher Hitchens' book entitled God is Not Great, which was very popular. This book essentially identifies religious people behaving badly 
in the name of religion. He cites the Crusades, the witch hunts, the Inquisition, as well as other things. Hitchin argues that if God truly was great, he would have intervened and stopped these terrible things from happening in the name of religion. Later on, he then concludes that God truly does not exist. If he did, none of these things like the Crusades, the witch hunts, the Inquisition ever would have happened. God would have stepped in and prevented them. Yet people throughout the century, throughout world history, have acted or behaved badly, and in many cases, not in the name of religion. Just look at the 20th century. Nearly 50 million people died in wars and conflicts. They were killed by people like Pol Pot, Mao Zedong, Hitler, and Stalin, people who were fiercely anti-religious. Hitchens, like other authors of books that deny the existence of God or attack our Christian faith, completely fail to understand that yes, our church contains divine elements. Elements like our church doctrine, the sacraments, sacred tradition. Yet our church also is not perfect. St. Paul summarizes it the best in Galatians when he writes, We hold God's treasure in earthen vessels. We hold God's divine elements in fragile, flawed vessels of ourselves. Therefore, we shouldn't be surprised when people do bad things throughout church history. Yet, yet despite that, it still doesn't undermine the validity of our church, her mission, or her message. A great analogy my friend gave me to help us understand this concept further is of Albert Einstein's physics. One could argue that Einstein's physics were the groundwork for the atomic bomb and nuclear weapons that killed thousands of people. Does that mean Einstein's physics, all of his work, is evil and bad? No, we see that it can be used at times for bad purposes. See, apply that now with Christianity. Yes, individuals throughout church history have done bad things, yet that still does not undermine the validity, the truth of our church as well as her mission and her message in this world. So then, how can we accurately look at all these attacks on Christianity, our church, and God, and accurately discern fact from fiction? Well, I think we have to turn next to the gospel. The gospel teaches us a very important lesson. Listen now. Jesus said to the apostles, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you that everything written about me in the law of Moses, in the prophets and Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Jesus opens the minds of the apostles in order for them to understand sacred scripture and therefore be able to grow in their faith. And this would be vital for the apostles because they would have to go out into the world and establish the church. Be a witness to Jesus Christ in the world, and therefore having the knowledge to distinguish truth from fiction. My friends, what we have to understand is that there is only one source of God's divine revelation, and it is God and God alone that tells us about who he is. And yet, we drink from two different fonts of revelation. There's two different ways we receive God's revealing truth. 
One is through sacred tradition, which is basically the Ten Commandments, the sacraments, the church doctrine and dogma. The second font that we drink from to receive God's revelation is from sacred scripture. My friends, in the past, as Catholics, we relied far too heavily on sacred tradition to help us grow in our knowledge of God and neglected sacred scripture. Yet, we cannot allow that to continue. St. Jerome once said, Ignorance of scripture is ignorance of Christ. If we do not know the Bible or scripture, we do not know who Jesus Christ is. And that's so true now more than ever. We must allow God to help us come to know who he is through sacred scripture. It's important for us to begin, if we haven't already, to read the Bible on a regular basis. Study it, maybe together in a group. Take it to prayer. My friends, if it was important for Christ to open up the minds of the apostles for them to grow in their faith, then it is also important for us to allow Jesus to open up our minds so we too can grow in the knowledge of our faith. And when that happens, then we begin to easily see just how outrageous these attacks on our church are. great example of this is Bill Maher's movie, Religulous. Essentially, what he puts together is religion and ridiculous. He melds the two together. And that's essentially the theme of the movie. He goes about and he interviews people throughout the world. And he basically takes excerpts from the Bible, the New Testament as well as the Old Testament. And he tries to dispute everything in the Bible. And he interviews these people, asking them these ridiculous questions like, is it possible for a person to be swallowed by a whale and then live within the belly of a whale for three days and survive that ordeal? When these people are posed with these outrageous questions, they stand there dumbfounded and they're not able to answer him. And so Mar then concludes that all of the Bible is pure fiction. And therefore, Christianity, which rests upon the Bible also, is just some fairy tale myth that shouldn't be believed. Well, if we truly are beginning to know the Bible, are studying it and praying over it, we begin to realize that that claim is just completely outrageous. The Bible is not necessarily a book as it is a library. If we go into a library, we see the library is divided in sections. History, sports, fiction, nonfiction, poetry. Well, the same thing holds true with the Bible. There are certain aspects of the Bible that are historically correct, especially aspects that are dealing with King David and King Solomon. Yet, there are other books of the Bible, like Genesis, that has a rich theological narrative. By studying the Bible, we realize that the Bible is written in different literary genres. Some books of the Bible are historically correct, especially when dealing with the monarchies of Israel. Some books of the Bible, like Genesis or Exodus, have that rich theological narrative. Other parts or books of the Bible are very poetic. For example, Song of Songs or the Psalms. By knowing that, then we can accurately discern the Bible. We must read the Bible through the lenses of these different literary genres. 
then yes, the Bible truly is divinely inspired and is given to us by God so as to inspire faith. And yet the only way that we can come to this conclusion is by simply studying the Bible ourselves. Now that we have recognized the danger of ignorance and now are growing in the knowledge of our faith, what's next? Well, the practical application of our faith. Now that we are growing in the knowledge and the wisdom of it, now we have to begin to apply it in our life. And see, that's what St. John is getting at from the second reading. St. John writes, The way we may be sure that we know Jesus is to keep his commandments. The way we may be sure to know Jesus is to keep and practice his faith. My friends, what you have to understand, the greatest theologian is not always the greatest saint. We may know everything there is to know about our faith in Catholicism, but unless we put it into practice, it's not worth a darn thing. So now we have to act upon it. We have to adopt it, ratify it, make it part of our identity, incorporate this wisdom into our daily life. When this happens, now we are able to see through these malicious attacks and be able to distinguish the truth from lies. In fact, in some ways, you could argue that these attacks on our church and God are opportunities, opportunities to shake us out of the mediocrity of our faith lives and instead encourage us to grow in the wisdom and knowledge of our faith. Furthermore, they can be looked upon as opportunities to catechize and evangelize. If someone challenges you about certain aspects of our faith or why we worship, Begin to teach them. This is the reason why we go to Mass and receive the Eucharist. This is the reason why we pray to Mary or to the saints. And then begin to evangelize them, welcome them into the church. My friends, the readings for this weekend remind us that ignorance, yes, is one of the most deadliest threats of Christianity. How do we combat this threat? Lifelong faith formation. A life committed to growing in the knowledge and the practice of our faith. See, then we have nothing to worry about and everything to hope for. And may the peace and the grace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.